Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone at Waterball Life Podcast would like to send their sincere condolences to the family and the friends of seven-year-old Isla Catton, who sadly passed away this week. We would like to dedicate the following podcast to the memory of Isla. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Waterball Lake podcast, one of the first podcasts I've hosted in quite a while now, um, but I'm joined as always by my uh, fellow colleague, Mr. Anthony Watson. How are you? Yeah, I'm good mate, thanks very much. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, it, it feels weird me being the um, the pundit and you being the player-by-player guy, doesn't it? But we'll, 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 we'll soldier on. Uh, definitely, and today we are joined by a very special guest, a Burnley fan, Mr Dan Muirhouse, who is part of Turf Muirhouse TV. Uh, you can find that on Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. Obviously, we'll we'll link that in um, with our socials as well. Dan, how are you doing mate? You all right? I'm all right, fellas. Um, thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Awesome, awesome. So today, um, we're doing our fans' world piece of our podcast. Uh, Dan is a Burnley fan. Um, so Dan, just talk to us about Burnley first and foremost. How did you get into you know supporting Burnley FC? Like, what's the background behind the story? Ah, well, interesting. <laughs> um, I've been ribbed a little bit on uh, YouTube for this uh, little revelation recently that I let out the bag. Um, to be quite honest with you, when, growing up, uh, I didn't have much of a football background um, until my mum sort of met my stepdad. And then he he was always an Everton fan. He's, he's still a blue uh, to this day. But however, I, you know, as a kid growing up, you see those big teams doing really well. And unfortunately, I admitted there is a picture from one Christmas where I'm wearing Man United pajamas. Um, <laughs> however... I finally learned my true strides. You know, I went to Turf Moor, took two or three games in, and I was just—it was—it stuck from there. 
you sort of just find your own. At the time, it was a case of, you know, you support the team that were doing really well at that time, which was like the mid-90s and stuff, players like Yapstam and things like that, you were like, oh, sort of in awe of. But then, yeah, Burnley became my uh, my call and uh, I've never looked back at ever since, even even from the lows as well as the highs. Ah, cool. Awesome. I mean, and you have one of the best uh, Twitter handles I've seen in Turf Moor House. I, I do like that. Like, that's class. Um, So, like, in regards to Burnley, obviously following them, who who's, like, your, your favourite players, uh, past and present? I think you can't rule out Robbie Blake. The man's an absolute Burnley legend. Uh, he's the, the things that he did for the club were just amazing. OK, there is fans that still resent him when he left to join Coyle at Bolton. Um, however, he's got to he's got to be up there. Um, and me, he's an absolute stalwart. Um, pretty much Mr. Burnley these days. Yeah, definitely. I know he's had his links to Newcastle and stuff in this window, but I don't see him ever ever leaving Burnley. I think he'll end his career here. Yeah. But yeah, um, there's there's quite a few. Uh, there's quite a few. Um, see, naturally, I'm a defender, so I'm always sort of drawn to defenders. But um, however. With you know, up until recent times, that's when we've probably had our best centre back partnership. So, yeah. So yeah, um, Robbie Blake, Glenn Little, Ben Me. Um, I'd even go as far Akin Bay. He, he were class, <laughs> and, and just some of the stories. The, the guy himself, not even just the player, but the guy himself as well, were first class off the pitch as well. Yeah, us Sunderland fans weren't big fans of Eckhart and Bahi. I don't think he always had a, a habit of uh, scoring past us. I think Anne can probably... Yeah, Akin Bahi's first game for Burnley was against Sunderland, wasn't it? And he put he came on for three minutes and pushed George McCartney in the neck and got sent off. Yeah, I, I can remember that. Gary, you shouldn't be able to remember I that because we watched it. it. It was a Friday night game. I'm sure it was either one or the game that got us promoted into the Premier League. I think it was under Mick McCarthy, wasn't it? Uh, I, know, yeah. I know Stephen Elliott scored for Sunderland, so it must have been under Mick McCarthy. And I remember that when he came on. We were like, he's going to score him. He's going to score because he used to always score past us. And then he headbutted McCarthy in the back of the head after about, after about maybe about 180 seconds. That was it. <laughs> so it was a great cameo for him. I'm, I'm glad his career went a bit better than that, mate, to be totally honest. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah, I mean, Ben Mee as well, like, like you say there, stalwart for Burnley. I loved what he did uh, the other week for his birthday where he put out that Instagram post and he was just, it was pictures with us important people to like the Burnley club like you know like the like the, the the person that manages the pitch and everything and I thought that was so classy of him and like you say Mr Burnley 100% um fantastic player fantastic human by by what I see obviously you being a Burnley fan as well you probably understand like a lot more of his culture than us down here in the north do yeah, massive respect to him. I mean, the fact that he called out a lot of people that don't get as much recognition in football because all you see is the managers and the players. Yeah, You know, you don't see those people off the pitch that do all the dirty work. Um, so for him to, you know, recognise that. Also, when we've had, you know, dramas and stuff off the pitch and things like, you know, the, the flying of the banner over Manchester City Stadium, you know, the pundits were asking him questions about things like... Um, you know, about about football, about the actual match. And he was like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the idiocracy that happened off the pitch. So fair play to him. That man's just got every every aspect um, of decorum in my eyes. He's absolute stalwart, as I say. And uh, 
hopefully he'll be at Burnley until his uh, very last days of kicking a ball. Yeah, definitely. And obviously going from the favourite players, let's go to some of the, the potential worst Burnley players. And Ant's got a very nice list for you. He's going to name them and just get your thoughts on what those players are. Uh, what are your thoughts of those players? Uh, Dan, feel free to add your own as well, mate. You know, it's, it's, it's all about it's all about you, this show. But um, I'm going to start off with an absolute classic here. Leon Court. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> but funnily enough, like I don't know why, but I think that signing was the first signing that started Burnley bringing in pretty much Stoke rejects. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we are well overspent on him as well. I mean, the fact it, it was already a bit of a, you know, can I say shitstorm? Of course you can. Yeah, I mean, it costs us fifty pence, but feel free, I swear all the time. <laughs> now nah, change it explicit now, so it's all right. Uh, it's it's one of them where you know Brian Law's coming in was already a bit of a you know fast to begin with when you've just gone from you're trying to stay in the division and you've gone for a cheap option to then blow you know probably 1.5 million on a on a defender that's passed it it's yeah it baffled us and you know as soon as we lost to Scunthorpe in the league that season you know as Law's out we're just ringing around the stadium and luckily it went but yeah Leon Court I mean wow. Can't believe that's the first one out. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this list. Uh, to be honest, I think I went worst first. To be honest, because he's awful. I'm gonna go for a. a, a well, I don't know if he still is a Claret at the minute, but Ben Gibson. No, oh, he's Norwich. Uh, at Norwich. Um, he's at Norwich now, but however, he's another one that came in, thought he was sort of Billy Big Bollock, shall we say? Yeah. Um, wanted to, totally you know, right. wanted to, wanted to. You know, we're linked with Chelsea like a couple of seasons before, you know, after a decent season with Brewer in the Prem. Um, however, it just didn't work out. And uh, I think as well, it's a, it's a tough one when you've got players like Ben Mee and Ben Gibson at that time. Have A lot of people are a bit uh, optimistic about having two left footers playing at the back. And I think that were another thing that Ron Dash has mind. However, yeah, Ben Gibson, what a waste of 15 million quid. A lot of money, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I always think with Ben Gibson, he was quite spoiled at Berwick because his uncle was the owner. Um, but he just hasn't kicked on, has he? You know, which which is a shame for him because he has got talent. But sometimes it's the it's the wrong move for the wrong player, isn't it? Um, I'm moving on to actually a player who only played he only played one game, but it was a memorable one because Adiak Mbai scored a hat trick, which which must have been one of those rarities. But Dwayne Courtney, I don't know if he if he rings the bell or not. Yeah, Dwayne Courtney. I mean, again, one of those signings that was just so left field. If you get me, like everyone was like, right, okay, is this one of them signings that it's a case of this is last chance saloon for you, mate? And if you don't make it, that's it. You rest of your careers down the down the pan. Um, wow, Dwayne Courtney. I, I completely forgot about him, to be fair. Although, as soon as you mentioned him, I just remembered one up front of the uh, programmes with him on. And I just remember people ripping front of programmes off because they went, he's crap. I can't believe he's <laughs> put, can't believe put his name on the back of it and putting his face on the front of it. I mean, we'll, we'll go to a forgotten... I mean, this isn't a forgotten player, but I literally, before I read this list, had no idea he played for Burnley. Gaza? Yeah. See, six appearances. Gazza's known as a bit of... I mean, to be fair, you don't have to be much of a player to come to Burnley be classed as a legend, to be honest with you. Uh, if you bring a briefcase full of beer, I mean, <laughs> technically, you're already a legend in Burnley, aren't you? Um, 
However, you know, I've had Paul Weller on uh, on my YouTube channel before, and you know, he was telling us stories about guys who would come into training, and it it sort of um, it bring this briefcase that rattled and stuff, and you knew his problems then. He said, yeah. but everyone were trying to get into this briefcase, and it was just proper guarded by Jimmy Farbellies. But there's nothing you could have done. However, some of the stories that you hear about him, it just sounds like a proper laugh. Um, although you definitely have to sleep with one eye open with him around. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's um, a flop. I think he actually served us well. Um, nearly got us promoted that season. Um, he had two or three stabs at the cherry um, in, I can't remember who we were playing, but he had a free kick in the dying minutes of the game and it just went over the bar. If he'd have put that in the back of the net, we'd have been going up. Yeah. Fair play. No, I, I, to be honest, this is it wasn't on my list of like worst players. Just I never knew, really, like, I never knew about that until I read it that he played for Burnley. Um, I just must have escaped escaped my brain. To be totally honest with you, but we'll, I think we'll it is. <laughs> probably has. Yeah, bless him. Um, we'll go on to quite an expensive signing actually for two point five million from Racing Club Genk, and it's Yellow Vossen. Yeah, see, he didn't get a fair crack of the whip, to be honest. I don't understand what happened there. You know, we brought him in and we were like, oh, brilliant. Another player that had, you know, uh, had decent stats. Uh, I think he was at Borough as well. Um, and he, he had decent stats the season before we'd brought him in. I think we'd seen him play in a pre-season friendly. And then after that, he'd, he'd already moved again. And we were like, whoa, this guy's only just held a Burnley shirt up aloft and took a picture and posted it on social media and the next minute is seen in another shirt like what's going on so it was a very strange one uh that at the time you know Burnley weren't known for spending millions on players still on um however it's uh yeah that was such a left proper left field and that that's yep that's how bad a signing it were when you don't you completely forget that he even played for the club. <laughs> um, it might be, this might be another one. This is the final one on my list. This was the only reason why I, I brought this one up because he was a, um, a bit of one of those football manager legends, um, Frederick Nimani, uh, yes. who came on loan from Monaco and didn't didn't play many times, did he? No, no, I, I don't know what it is with Burnley managers. I don't think they like playing loan players. Um, however. <laughs> Nimani came in and we were like, oh, we're going to get this je ne sais quoi, we're going to get this va-va-boom and all this stuff. And what we got, we're literally like, va-va-boom in your car, piss off back to France, you are awful. <laughs> but honestly, it was it was horrendous. However, um, you know, luckily we had Chris Eagles firing goals in and Stephen Fletcher was scoring as well, so it wasn't too bad. No, I mean that, that's it for my for my list. To be honest, I mean there was there was other ones I could have I could have looked at. Obviously, Danny Drinkwater. I remember Danny Drinkwater. Yeah. His first game for Burnley, he made a terrible mistake against Sunderland. I remember that one, but um, but I'm sure there's there's plenty you would want to add to to your personal list there. Yeah, as you said, Danny Drinkwater was quite high up on that list. As you say, he had it ever since winning the title with Leicester, getting his head turned by Chelsea. I think that pretty much he thought. That's it. I can swan around. I've made it big, and it's not always the case. You know, we see that with a lot of youth players now, where they think that they've already made it before they've even kicked a ball. Yeah. So, yeah, Danny Drinkwater's on that list. I'll tell you another player that's on the list that's still at Burnley at the moment, Dale Stevens. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah he's still there. Isn't he? He's we, we signed him for a million quid, and what a waste of a million pound. We want we wanted him four seasons ago. Uh, well probably about five or six now, sorry. 
Um, but even then, Dash was like, yeah, yeah, we'll bring him in. He handed a transfer request in at Brighton. He said, I want to go. I want to play in the Premier League. And Brighton fans were slating him. Next minute, he ends up signing a new contract with Brighton. Uh, it comes out at the end of the season when there's uh, you know, an announcer on pitch and he's like, you all told me that you want me to stay. Don't worry, I am going to remember. Burnley's a... And, and he started like going on about this. And then one minute we're watching it, about to sit down and watch a game on TV and he's sat at home filling out paperwork on an announcement video, which was shocking. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what a, what a waste of a million quid because he's done nothing. Uh, Remco van der Schaaf, Diego Pene. I mean, Diego Penny played one game for the club, an opening day fixture against Sheffield Wednesday, and we lost 5 1. He was on the uh, list I was looking at before, but I couldn't remember him, so I didn't want to mention it. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of good ones like Fernando Ferrero. Um, he was another lone player as well in the Prem season, that little Ecuadorian. He, he was pretty much the Adama Traore, bags of pace and sod all else. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it. I, I don't suppose um, Phil Bardsley. Where, where's he going to be? Is he top of the top of the good list? There, obviously, he's one of the few players I would say who's played between Sutherland and Burnley. But uh, I mean, you mentioned Stephen Fletcher as well. He's excellent as well. But Bardo, for me, one of the best players we've we've had. Just he's never been one for. He's not going to, you know, do any tricks or anything like that. But he's going to give you hundred percent, isn't he? You know, and he puts someone in the stands three times a game, aren't he? Yeah, every single game he's absolutely solid. You can always count on him, no matter what. Um, I mean, you know, at the moment it's been tough. He's towards the back end of his career. I think, to be fair, when he came to us from Stoke, another one. Sorry, we'll hear, we'll hear the word Stoke quite a few times because that's pretty much all our squad is, just Stoke B. Um, however, he's, as I say, absolutely solid at the back. Um, he was on loan at us when he was a youngster as well at Manchester United, so it's a second stint at Burnley for him uh, as well. I, I, in fact, I actually remember his, I think it was either his first or second game for us. I'd arrived at the stadium about 10 minutes too late and uh, somebody said, oh, what's... I said, well, what's the score? Someone said, you won't believe we're 1-0 down, Phil Bardsley on goal. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> However, since then, he's, he's obviously been an absolute beast and... Uh, Fans really rate him. Fans really do rate him. He's, he's one of them players I don't think anyone's got a bad word to say about him. Like, yeah, he's got um, a never-say-die attitude. No, yeah. matter, no matter how many years he has in his legs, he, he will not give up. He will die for the cause. Uh, and that's what we like about him. He's definitely one of the best players I've seen in the Sunderland shirt in like recent memory. Like, like He was just an absolute powerhouse at right back. Um, big fan of him. Um, so we'll, we'll move on. What's been your, your favourite moment as a Burnley fan then, Dan? Um, I mean, you, you can't rule out, obviously, the playoff final in 09. was an absolute, you know, absolute godsend that. But prior to that, I'd say prior to that, to be fair, it would be a lot of people's favourites. Um, but the, the cup run that season, prior to promotion, uh, was massive towards getting to where where we did in the playoff final you know we we beat Fulham at the turf 1-0 uh, Jay Rodriguez only a youngster at the time comes on gets a uh, gets a dying minute winner 
And then obviously we draw Chelsea and everyone's like, right, okay. So Stamford Bridge away, that was interesting. Akin Bay with the equaliser, took it to penalties. We went on penalties. Everyone's just like, oh my God, what's happening? What? Like, we're near the playoffs. We're through to the next round. We'll just knock Chelsea out. And then we go on stuff Arsenal 2 0 at the turf, and you just <laughs> you just didn't know what to do. Um, but obviously, sometimes you know that that happiness obviously turned to tears eventually. You know, we played Spurs over the two legs, um, and they, they give us a mountain to climb at their place. Now, I think I think they went four one. They were four one up from the first leg, and we ended up equalising it back at the turf. So it was the only time the Carling Cup had ever gone to um, to extra time. If the scores were level, it's, it used to be obviously straight. Whoever's thrown away goals goes through. So we were a bit peeved at that because we were all thinking at 90 minutes that that's it, we've done it. There were players walking around thinking we've done it. We're we're going to Wembley for the final. Uh, and top referee basically told off them, no, 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 you've still got half an hour to play yet. Um, and then two minutes from Wembley, Pavlochenko scored two minutes. I've never held on to bated breath so much, and it was probably one of the first times I've cried as a Burnley fan sat there. Um, so, yeah, to go from sheer ecstasy of such a such a moment to feeling so low, but then to get that sort of feeling of pride and stuff again, really, because it, it spurred us on. You know, Coyle said to them at the end of that, this is your moment now. You know, take that despair of the calling court and turn it into the league. Let's focus on getting into the playoffs. Let's focus on promotion. And it did. And we'd already beaten Sheffield United two times that season. So going to Wembley, we already beaten them twice. We were like, yeah, we've sort of got this in the bag. But then when the referee blew his whistle to begin with, that's it. I didn't dare move. I did not dare move. I didn't dare turn my neck. Mm. <laughs> um, it was almost like I didn't want to do anything. Superstition took over me. Paranoia, anxiety, got <laughs> over the line. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. So don't worry, I'm going to be looking forward to the championship days because they'll soon be coming back again. Uh, well, well, we'll get into the current league standings and stuff uh, more towards the end of the pod. But, you know, we'll go from the best moment to your least favourite moment, which might potentially be something this season. That, I don't that might be in four months' time. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. To be fair, this season, um, it could be, as you said, it could be this season's, you know, the way the way it's gone. However, you know, let's see what, what comes up in the window. I'm, again, hanging on bated breath for that. But worst moment. Probably doing an all-nighter at a mate's house prior to Plymouth away. Um, not sleeping, going all the way to Plymouth to lose 2-0, wearing a new jacket, get it ripped. Your mate gets kicked out um, for absolutely something and nothing. Um, <laughs> you're covered in mud all down one side because you decided to get involved in a football match outside the ground on grass. And, you know, the typical rule of next goal wins and you're sliding in at back stick and your jeans are just covered in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, memorable. It could have been up there with the memorable, but yeah, what a horrible day. Absolutely horrible day. Um, the, the Spurs game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Plymouth one. Uh, I know there's been quite a few 
horrible moments for Burnley and things like that. But I'm going to go for that Plymouth one just for personal reasons. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, in some ways, it sounds like a very eventful day, I've got to be honest. But, um, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, that coach was a no-go. Otherwise, you ended up with marshmallows being set alight by a lighter up your nose. So. <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, we'll we'll move on to, obviously, coming off the back of potentially Plymouth away. What's been your um your best away day? And as Ant so rightly pointed out to us before, my geography isn't great. Obviously, Burnley is in the north, so I apologise <laughs> to everyone who was listening because I don't know why I said that because I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, what about your best away day then, Dan? Best away day. Um, I'm gonna go. F- I'm gonna go for. You know what? Funnily enough, Leicester away. Leicester away was always interesting. Um, it was, I think, I think it was when Kyle had just left. Yeah, Owen Kyle had, no, was it Owen Kyle? Might have been, might have been Cottrell. Uh, either way, um, Steve Davis had took over as um, interim manager for that one game and we won 1-0 through uh, Andy Gray, but for me it was one of the, Sort of meaningful away days, you know. I, I was on, I was sort of coming of age, like, you know, um, so, you know, grabbing a beer at the football and things like that. It was almost like I was growing up and I was at an away day. We we're at the back of the stand. We had tops off. It were, it were cold. It were freezing, but we were just enjoying the moment. And it's them little things that you remember. So for that moment alone, I'd say Leicester away. The ground, however, was probably dead. But the you know the camaraderie, every every game away from home's an absolute barrel of laughs. You know I love away days. You're constantly singing from first minute to ninetieth. So yeah, uh, Leicester away for me. Fair enough. I mean, you mentioned there as well in that sentence. You mentioned uh, a player by the name of Andy Gray, um, a former Sunland player as well. Um, obviously had quite a you know decent record for you guys. To be fair, I mean, sixty goals, twenty five goals. Uh, sixty games, twenty five goals. Sorry. Um, I mean, what 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 was the the thought on Andy Gray as as a Burnley fan? I mean, for us, he was terrible. Yeah, we loved him because we we brought him in on loan from you guys, didn't we? And then yeah, and then it was almost like right, okay. Um, but we at that time had had a bit of luck with strikers. You we know, didn't. we'd um, <laughs> we sort of hit somewhere decent with Andy Gray. Um. I think we brought him in and Alan Marn on the same day. And he was an Irish midfielder, him wasn't he? Left wing, yeah. I think. Yeah, he he were he were class as well. Even you know, even if we forget his Blackburn days, but um, yeah, Andy Gray was just an all-out goal scorer. He found his feet at Burnley, and it it worked. Um, but eventually, it was one of them where Burnley at the time was still in a transitional period. You know, we needed the money, so. You know, when, when he came good and money came good from opposition clubs, we had to take it. Um, as I say, from pretty much from Andy Gray, we we went on a good run of strikers, you know, from there. I think we brought in like Charlie Austin and young Danny Ings and I think we had Andy Cole on loan at one point who, you know, bagged a couple, brought brought Akin Bay back for a second stint. Um, so yeah, we had a a decent run with strikers, but yeah, I think he pretty much started that 
and he was a decent player for us, as you say. Obviously, not as memorable um, at Sunderland. I think no. it was memorable, all right, for all the wrong reasons. So. <laughs> I know, and I was just about to say that. I want to just get your thoughts on uh, obviously Andy Gray there. Obviously, you, you've seen him play in the flesh a lot more than I have. Um, I'm sure you've got some interesting words about Andy Gray. Well, to be fair, just on, on most of, of, of Dan describing Leicester away, which I was quite interested in, he mentioned Steve Cottrell and Andy Gray, which really nearly made us want to jump out this window, to be honest, because, I mean, Cottrell's probably... Get started on Steve Cottrell, that guy's a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we, we got Cottrell in uh, with Howard Wilkinson, which it just uh, it just didn't work. Um, and Andy Gray, I mean, Andy Gray wasn't just... He was just never good enough to play for the Premier League, but... We were a little bit hamstrung that season because um, Mick McCarthy got us promoted and then was told to stay up with the same set of players and they brought in like you know Andy Gray from the Championship, Tommy Miller, uh, John Stead, and these guys just weren't good enough. So yeah, he, he was just a bit too slow for me. Um, I'm trying to be as nice as I possibly can to him to be because I remember when he did go to Burnley and I was thinking oh, he'll do all right there and he did. So it's fair play, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can't yeah. believe you mentioned Steve. That, like, at least we have the same opinion on Steve Cottrell. You, you mentioned him, man. Yeah. I was just <laughs> <laughs> as I say that that guy for me. Um, I lost all respect for him. You know, I was only a young a young lad. Um, I just started college, and at the time, I was doing like a sports, um, doing like my FA level one and stuff like that. And he just come through, and he's walking through the. Um, where the Cafe Claret is and things like that. And they had like a bit of an outside sports centre. And I went, oh, uh, Cottrell, Cottrell, can I, can, I have your, like, can I have a picture and stuff? And he went, um, how dare you call me by my last name? He said, do I look like a effing footballer? He said, um, I'm a manager, show me some respect. Uh, and he said, my name's Stephen, not Cottrell. And I just thought... I won't say it what I'd said, but uh, it wasn't very nice. I just how he was a proper big headed get. Yeah. Did it rhyme with banker by any chance? Oh, and the rest, <laughs> and the rest. Uh, That's while, a good one to round with as well. Yeah, while we're on the subject of you know the Burnley Sunderland kind of connection, there, you guys have been linked with Daniel Neal, Dan Neal. Sorry, um, I mean, what do you know about Dan Neal there, Dan? Um, have you seen much much of him? I mean, it was a three million bid, which I think you were linked with. I don't think that's been successful. But what's your thoughts on that? He looks like a good young prospect. Um, as I say, he's come through your academy, hasn't he? So you'll obviously want to keep hold of him and nurture him through. Yeah. However, you know, I'd like to see him when he talks in football. When it but when it involves Burnley, you know, it's pretty much like half a chunk of Fredo and whatever's left of a one bar and pretty much you'll get that in instalments. Ah, that's, that's fair enough. That's true. I mean, yeah, he's been uh, I mean, quite... I a... think it, for him personally, the best thing to do is stay at Sunderland, ground yourself as a footballer, you know, get those knocks and kicks that you'll get in that league and then progress from there. So probably another season or two um, with you guys before he does think about probably kicking on and wanting to move on. However, as I say, find your feet at a certain level I'm not saying that he hasn't because he's been class, but um, yeah, get, have a bit of stability with it. Don't just run at the first sign because we all know if you can if you start running before you walk, it can sometimes bite you in the backside. 
Yeah. yeah, I think we saw that happen with Barley Mumba, to be fair. Norwich signed him, now he's been sent out on loan to Peterborough, hasn't really done anything. I mean, the difference between Barley Mumba and Dan Neal was Dan Neal's actually been playing like every week. Um, I do agree, and I think Ant will definitely agree as well, that it's in his best interest to maybe stay with the club a couple of years and really, like you say, find his feet. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll move on to one of the, well, the best player that you've seen play at Turf Moor. Who would you say that is? Mm, um, it, it sort of depends on who's who's on form on their day, doesn't it? Uh, there's some certain players that really infuriate you when they play against you. I, I, I don't know whether it's more of a media thing. Obviously, Rooney was always class... Um, seeing Michael Owen, you know, um, as well, play pretty much in his final days at Man United, just because you can say I've seen Michael Owen play, you know, yeah. when you've grown up watching him sort of play for England and things like that, uh, that was always good. But yeah, I'd probably say someone like Rooney or um, all these stalwarts of the game that aren't there anymore. You know, you've got your Lampard, you've got Gerrard. Um, it's strange because obviously we've not we've never seen Ronaldo at the turf or anything yet. Uh, not until the eighth of February, because uh, so, the season we went up in or and that's the season that he was sold to Real Madrid. So it'd be nice to see somebody decent at the turf, you know, that's got that's also got that tag of best player in the world. Yeah, no, he's, but he's well worth the watch. Like I've seen him a couple of times at the Stadium of Light, and um, he scored a really really good free kick. Uh, on Boxing Day, um, but it got, it didn't get the um, like the kind of adulation it deserved because I think the week after he scored that one against, I, I want to say Portsmouth, when it went up and down and into the corner, um, yeah. which is probably the best free kick ever, to be honest. But oh, he is a joy to watch when you see him down. Honestly, just like enjoy it, even if you get beat, just enjoy watching him because he's he's fantastic live. Quality, quality. No, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. As you say, when you support a team like Burnley and you come up against Man United, Man City, Chelsea, and stuff like that, them games are free hits, whether you're at home or away. Um, so, you know, and as you get older, you start analysing the games and players a bit more, don't you? Than just sat there like watching the football. It's you start analysing the game, especially since doing this, you know, podcasts and YouTube and stuff. You start to get a bit more of a background of these players and the way they play. Yeah, so, yeah, I am really looking forward to seeing what what he can do. Hopefully, not a lot. And Phil Bards is playing and gives him a nice early kick off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not like it, especially if it's if it's cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> what about like players like Salah and De Bruyne, Aguero? Like seeing those at like Turf Moor. I mean, that must have been like a an experience as well. I mean, it's always an experience when you come up against Manchester City because we never have the ball. Um, it's pretty much like being told, yeah, you can play, you can play football with us, but you're not, um, you're not getting involved. Come and get the ball off us, sort of thing. Um, so when you're just watching them pass it about, and you've got the freedom to just basically sit there and watch them do it, it's it's decent enough. But there's nothing comes for me. I tell you the one move. Uh, I think it was an opening day fixture of. I think it was 2014. We played Chelsea and Chelsea scored a brilliant goal. It was like a 1-2 between Matter and somebody else, I think, at the time. 
that I was like, wow, that was exquisite for the, what they'd done. Um, so yeah, you, no matter who, no matter how big they are, you know, players that perform on the day, just sometimes you're in awe, and sometimes you've got to hold your hand up and say, you know what, fair enough. You know that that guy was on form. There's nothing you could do about it. As you said there as well, Salah. For me, every time Burnley's come up against Salah, they've kept him pretty quiet. That's always a good thing, then, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> the way he's That's playing at the moment. Play Liverpool soon, so he'll probably back in that trick now. <laughs> famous last words, I think that Dan. So, um, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. Like Salah is probably in the the best form of his life this season. Um. Obviously, when he first joined Liverpool and he got over 50 goals, it was a fantastic season, but I think he's just developed brilliantly as a player. But, you know, if you can keep him quiet when you just play them, more power to you is, like, definitely. Um, but we'll, we'll move on to your thoughts on the season so far. Um, obviously, it's not been great so far. You, you do you do have a couple of games in hand. That That's more likely probably the only reason why you are rock bottom at the moment is because of those games in hand and the COVID cases. But, like... What's your thoughts on everything so far? I mean, do you still think Sean Dice was the right man for the job? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, I think that. Burnley are in a transitional period. I think, obviously, it's been, what, a year since the new owners came in. They came in during the January window last season. And, they, you know, they couldn't do anything in that window. They've literally just walked through the door. They're still cleaning the shoes on the on the doormat before they've even got to their office. So they can't exactly sit down and go, right, let's, let's buy this, let's buy that. Um, and we weren't expecting them to have, you know, bags of money and just splash this left, right and centre. Although there were some of our fan base thinking, that's it, we've hit the big time jackpot. Um, however, it wasn't, you know, we're still a team that's having to risk red or black uh, you know, on a on a roulette table. Um, so it's always, it's always nice. Um, the season, however, probably started the way it ended last season. You know, we kept going one nil up in games, and then conceding. Um, we did it against um, those dirty black and whites, shall we say? Don't want to mention them to you guys anyway. Don't. I think I've said enough swear words. <laughs> um, you know, we we went one nil up against them. They beat us two one when they brought Saint Maximum on. Um, we did it against against Brighton at the beginning of the season. We did it against Southampton last season as well, where we went one nil up. And then lost 2-1. We did it at Everton again this season as well. Went 1-0 up. And then six minutes later, we're 3-1 down. So it's almost like our arse fell out every time we bagged. And that that was scary because I thought this was the season we would kick on. I thought the fact that we didn't have fans in stadiums last season would have, you know, and with a, for a team like Burnley having fans behind, you know, they're a 12th man. They get you over the line. They turn them draws into wins. You know, trying to G you up and keep you going. So that was my thought when there were fans allowed back in, but it started as it, as it, you know, curtailed last season. So we were a bit like, oh no, like what do we do from here? And as I say, last season for me, there were three worse teams in the division. This season, we're we're in there with them, um, and I don't think there's obviously three this season. There's you know between a good five. However, you know, at the moment, do we have advantage for being where we are? Probably, you know, COVID and stuff has probably helped with the games being called off because we, we're now obviously looking at what we have to achieve, what we have to do uh, to get them points, you know. But 
those games that have been played, we also know what we've got. We know what we've got to achieve, and we've not actually come away from those teams around us. They've not gone out and got results left, right, and centre with their games that they've played. So we're still in the hunt. God, I sound like um, sound like Kevin Keegan there. Yeah, <laughs> we're still fighting to stay in this division, and I love it if we beat them. Um, but yeah, you know, our next game's Watford, a six-pointer. Um, we're still to play Everton from our games in hand as well. So they're two massive, huge games at the bottom end of the table. But if we can get results in them games, you know, four points from those two games, and we're still we're looking at still pretty much sitting out on the outside of it. But you know, that's just being realistic. Of course, you want to win every game that comes your way. It's not. But I've got to be realistic for where we are. The season's been awful. I thought we'd do a lot better. I thought Dash would have said, right, fans are back. Kick up the arse that we need. Let's crack on. Let's have a good campaign. Uh, Maxwell Corner has been an absolute inspiration. How that guy has come from playing Champions League football to pretty much playing Kirby in Burnley, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. The, The guy's been an absolute... Baller, he's yeah. quality. I've been a big fan of his for a while. He was he was brilliantly on as well. And um, when you signed him, I thought this was a bit of a well, it was a good transfer. But then I thought, has something gone on here? Can he not be bothered? To, you know, play to his full potential. But obviously, like he has been like a, a revelation. He, you know, he he's someone which I seriously looked at putting in my dream team. But at at, at the moment, it's probably a risk given where you guys are in the league. But I. I'm a big fan of his. Like I think he's a really, really good player. Um, you also mentioned there. Obviously, you guys have Watford next, who have just sat Ranieri and now brought in Roy Hodgson. Um, what's your your thoughts on that? Just briefly, Dan. Watford are a joke of a football club, an absolute joke of a football club. I mean, we've had Dash since this since they first the puzzles first sacking. You know, the puzzles came in, they thought Dash didn't have the credentials, they bagged him off, we brought him in. Um, and he's been with us ever since. They've gone through numerous amounts of managers ever since then. Yeah. And it just makes you think, like, why? Like, you can't expect instant success. You know, Man City didn't have instant success. They mm-hmm. still had to slog it out with when they had Rubinho. They still had flaming players like Stephen Ireland and, you know... A, a nigh on retirement Richard Dunn you know who weren't really ripping it up at that time Craig Bellamy were back end of his career mm-hmm. but you know they need to realise that they can't just expect it's the old saying is it Rome wasn't built in a day um, and Watford are expecting big things instantly and it's apart from what I've heard they've got a motto which usually were which was something along the lines of um, you can either wait for it to happen or you can make it happen. And apparently that's the motto they use in terms of managers. If they don't see it happening now, they're going to make that change. But I can see Watford going the same way as Derby, especially with the way they'll be paying these managers out. Um, but it's it's very interesting. Watford are just they're something else. They're not a football club. They're, they're just a laughing stock. Absolutely agree there. I think um, the words I use, they were poison chalice. I mean, um, and... I want to ask you two questions. From the outside looking in, on Burnley as a football club, what's what's like your thoughts of, of their season so far? And again, same with Watford. Obviously, they've just 
uh, sacked their second manager of this season. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, I think everybody in the Premier League wants Burnley to stay up, you know, because it's it's one of those, you know, it's a, and I don't want to say rags to riches story, but it's one of those stories where you, you like to see them stay up because, you know, you look at Dyche, I mean, Dyche is, Dyche is an England manager and waiting and he's such a great guy. And, and he's a class I mean, character he's, as well. He's, um, his press conference is just brilliant, you know, but he's such a, like, he's just, he's the kind of guy you want to go out for a pint with, isn't he, you know? Yeah. But a great manager as well, you know, he's done such a good job there. And I totally agree with what Dan's just said there about, about Watford. I mean, you can't... It is going to eventually bite you in the arse. Like you're going to end up sacking the wrong manager at the wrong time. You know, our person didn't think Ranieri was the right choice to begin with. They need someone who's been at the bottom, who's who's you know dug teams out of the bottom. Hodgson, I think, is a really really wise choice. But I think it's three months too late. I would have gone for Hodgson early on in the season. Probably would have gone for Hodgson to start the season once he'd realised he went for Palace. But Listen, Watford are going down, lads. They're not going to steal. You know, for me, it's between Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich, probably Everton, because um, I can't see Everton getting out of where, where they're anytime soon. And, um, you know, and I'm not just saying it's because we've got Dan on, we've got Sack, who's one, you know, one of our, you know, best guests we've, we've had, you know, really good friend of the show, and he's Burnley, but... Everyone wants Burnley to stay up, and I'm I'm no different. You know what I mean? I think uh, I think they will as well. I know I know Dan's like you know been a little bit. It, we'll see we'll see how it goes and all that. But there's games in hand. You're right there. You've got a lot of teams to play around you. Yeah? You know and and you know a lot of these teams won't want to come to Turf Miller. You know so I think um, I think they will stay up. But for the question of who's going to go down, I'm, I'm not sure because I think it's it just changes every week. It's really exciting for at least. The bottom end of the Premier League is going to be exciting this season because the top end's done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Oh, sorry, there, Dan, you you go. Yeah, no, I was just I was just going to say that for for me, I do think we're one of the teams that will that that will drop. However, if we don't, obviously, I'll be you know as happy as a pig in muck. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's the manner in which. If we do go down, it's the manner in which we're going down. Apart from that Arsenal game last weekend, that is the first time I have seen so much fight and spirit from a Burnley side all season. Yeah, it's almost like those ga- games being called off. The fact that we know what we're chasing, we know we've got to get ourselves out of it. And yeah. there's going to be times where we're going to be hoping on other teams to falter around us because it's getting that sort of tight at the bottom end now. You can't, you can't not. You're hoping that these two teams that come up against each other at the bottom play out a draw. You hope that one of them, you know, the Norwich result. Nobody expected that. Nobody expected Norwich to get that result against Everton. I mean, but they were both bad sides, and we were both, they were both sat there, and we were thinking a point, just a point, that'd be happy enough. Or an even Everton win, you know, get themselves out of it. Um, but. It's yeah, it, it, it's scary, scary times. I do think that maybe if we do go down, it's a rebuilding process. However, I will answer the question before you ask ask it. Is that squad capable of getting us back up? Not at all. We are now turning into a retirement centre, so we need to change players big time, massive overhaul. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I mean, one thing that I do actually like about the squad is that. You have a lot of homegrown talent in there, um, and you, sorry, Brexit FC. 
<laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, I mean, you you signed Nathan Collins in the summer of last year for this season. I think what he's twenty years old again. Came from Stoke. Um, yeah, Dyson's wrong, wrong one stamp away from getting a free one. <laughs> Class. I mean, he's probably going to be one for the future. He's probably going to, you know, long term. He's going to most likely be a replacement for James Tarkowski, I imagine, or even potentially Ben yeah. Me. Um. Because Ben May is actually thirty two, I didn't realise he was thirty two year old. But um, you know, I think like Dice as a manager, he likes to sign players with who have long term product, and I think he has probably done that in in Nathan Collins. Um, but one signing that obviously has left Burnley was was Chris Wood because the release clause was triggered. I mean, how did you feel about Chris Wood going to Newcastle, Dan? Originally, I was heartbroken as any fan would be, you sorts of goals for the last couple of seasons. You know, let's look at last season. It was pretty much at the same, you know, projected goals. Yeah. To be fair, I think it was at three at this time at last season. However, he still went on to get double figures. But at first, I was struggling to get my head around the fact that we paid £15 million for this striker that was at the time with Leeds in the Championship. And for a bottom-end Premier League side... For him to turn out double figures in consecutive seasons, we're like, right, brilliant. We'll, you know, we could make a profit on this guy. You know, if anything was to come about it, if you're looking at it from a business sense, however. But then to think, right, we've only got like 10 million on top for someone that's gone from another division, proved that they can bag as well. And we were just like, wow, okay. Um, but when the news of Luca Dean joining Aston Villa from Everton came through, and they'd signed him for £25 million. You're like, hold on, this is a player who's been Everton's best player for like the last two to three seasons. Been absolute quality at left-back and only £25 mil. And we've now lost a 30-year-old striker who's not going to get the service at Newcastle because, you know, I'm not being funny, but Ryan Fraser and St. Maximum like to cut in and have a pop themselves. He's not going to get the service there. So I looked at it logically and thought, you know what? £25 million in the end isn't a bad price. Um, so good luck with Newcastle. I hope you do get out of your comfort zone, Chris Wood, which was always offside. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know what? And, and enjoy it. You know, fair enough. He, he, you know, I've not. I won't say a bad word about him. Uh, he's he's obviously done really well for the club, and I hope it works out for him at Newcastle. But just not this season. Maybe next season when hopefully the rich buggers are down in the championship. I do have a question for you, Dan, about Chris Wood. So when Chris Wood had signed for Newcastle, it was a mm-hmm. big discussion in like our like chat between our friends, like who Ant's also a part of, and we have this discussion about him. Chris Wood will run through a wall for you. I get that he will. You know, he's he's a physical player, but I said I didn't feel that's what Newcastle needed. I think they needed someone who's a bit more prolific, and I don't even see him getting five goals this season. Well, for the remainder of the season, at least. I mean, can you see him getting over five goals? Can you see him really making a difference, in all honesty? No. As I, as I say, say Maximum likes to cut in. Ryan Fraser likes to cut in. Unless unless it's a case of either or are being closed down and they have to play to the left-back or Trippier, and Trippier then has to whip an early ball in and he gets in the right position. That's the only way he's going to get anything in terms of service. Um, he's... I agree with what I saw some Newcastle fans said, and they said 
we've wasted 25 million on a player that pretty much if we'd have just stuck Joel Linton up front, it'd have been the same outcome. We'd have been like, oh Christ, he's back to his back to his usual doing nothing up top sort of thing. So they feel like they've signed a Joel Linton number two and it comes to her up front. As I say, if it works out for him, it works out for him. But at 30-year-old, you know, you're back into your football career. He's now going to be in a side that wants to play more attacking football. You know, instead of sort of playing to Chris Wood's strengths, you know, or comfort zone, as he calls it. Um, then, you know, good luck to him. Good luck to him. But I don't, I'm, I'm with you. It's not going to work out. And Newcastle going to be like, we're just spending money for the fun of it. And they'll be laughing about it in the end. It won't surprise me if there's a handful of their uh, fan base will be like, Christ, what are we doing? Just splashing cash on anybody. <laughs> I mean, every player we've been linked with so far, not Newcastle are in for as well. And you're just like, oh, sad off. Literally, I think anybody, any name in the window at the moment, whether it's Chelsea are linked with such a player, apparently Newcastle are in for him. So I'm fed up of hearing about them. Um, but that's all we're going to hear about until they get out of this mess and I hope they don't I hope they get really dragged into it in fact I hope they bring Shearer back to try and keep him up again and it just flops <laughs> Fair enough, that's fair enough I mean obviously with Wood going to, to Newcastle that now leaves you with Ashley Barnes uh, Gio Rodriguez and Matt Vidra for your free striking options uh, January window um, you've been linked with a couple of players. I think you've been linked with Mirosav Orsic, uh, Miss Mislav Orsic, sorry. Um, and there's a lad from Marseille, I think, who's been linked very recently. I mean, yeah, um, Bamba Dieng. He's only 21 year old. Uh, apparently, fallen down the pecking order uh, to about third or fourth. I mean, if anything, if you were Marseille, Marseille fans rate him from what I've seen. So. You'd think it'd probably be a loan, yeah, with a few to a permanent. If it was one of them where something works out for Marseille, the Mislav Orsic deal looks like it's pretty much already in agreement. It's just a terms of doing doing a medical, uh, and he'll be in, which I'm just you know over the moon with because this is a guy that bagged an hat trick against Spurs. I think it was last season uh, or the season before. Um, so yeah. We're trying to get a different outlook as well now. We're we're trying to not be anti-football. No, we're not trying to be anti-football FC like we have been. So we're trying to get on the front foot in games. We're trying to be a bit more expansive. I suppose that's why we've had a couple more weeks and cracks at the back. But again, we'll just we'll roll with it. We'll roll with the punches. As I say, for me, it's an adaptive period. Um if we're trying to change the way we're doing and with an aging squad, you can't expect them to not an old dog and new tricks to learn anything. So they're not going to pick up that pace if you're trying to change it to that, but you've got to adapt to the way the league's going. We can't keep playing this ancient long ball football. Yeah. A lot of teams are starting to play different styles of football. More and more teams are trying to play free at the back wing backs. I agree with that. I mean, I do think there's Orsic will be, 
a good signing for you. I think Zagreb have always had like a quite good production line in what kind of like attacking talents to bring through. I mean, you know, Nico Kranchkar rings a bell from years ago. Don't forget Luka Modric, um, Lovro Meyer. There's so many good players came from their like kind of production line. I think Orsich will come in and make a, a, a difference in midfield for you guys. Um, I mean, we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. Best of luck. Um, for the season, I really, really do hope that Burnley don't go down because I love Dyche. I kind of love what the philosophy is, you know, like with the majority of homegrown talents that you have. Um, quite like Josh Brownhill, I think he's a good player. Um, yeah. fingers crossed that you can stay up. Um, but what hope we'll so. do is we'll uh, we'll move on to our baller and ball ache of the week, and we'll start with you this week, mate. Oh, you've sprung that on us, haven't you? <laughs> um, changing it Christ. up. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've had all day to think and then you just can't think of anybody. Um, I'm going to say, even though she hasn't won the Australian Open yet, Ash Barty, because she's gone, um, I think she's played 14 sets so far in in the um, in the Austra- in the Australian Open, or 10 sets, and won all 10 and hasn't looked like losing one. You know, if there was ever going to be a winner of the Australian Open, it's going to be a... So I think, um, and it's it's nice to see her back at home enjoying her tennis when she had to like leave Australia for like nine months last last year during COVID, and I think through um, I think the French Open really got to her, and she was she was really badly injured and she couldn't go home and see her mom for a hug and all that stuff. So I'd like to see her win now. I think she's doing so well. So I'm going to say Ash Barty. That's fair, fair point. Uh, she's playing really good tennis. Um, I'm going to stick with the, the Aussie Open as well in my ball S of the the week. I've got to give it early Zay Corny. Like I think she's played a really good tournament and I thought she did all right in Wimbledon. Um, she's unseeded, but she's knocked out seeded players. I was quite impressed with her. Granted, she got knocked out by uh, the, the American last. I can't remember her name. Danielle. Collins. Daniel Collins. Yeah, Daniel Collins. Um she got knocked out by her, but I think she played some good tennis. You know, she knocked out um some very good seeded players. I'm sure she knocked out um what's her name? She seeded number three. I can't remember. She's Romanian. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. There's a Petrovic Petro Petrova or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. You, 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 should, you should have said, right, it's going to be this girl. She's beat all these people. If you can't remember the names, oh, so, Simona Halp. That's who she's knocked out. She knocked out Simona Halp. She knocked out Zidane. Zidanesque, sorry. Um, obviously, Daniel Collins knocked her out, though. Um, Muguruza um, knocked her out in the second round. Um, looks like, like, to me, she's had quite a good tournament. Um, so going to give it to her like for me um what about yourself dan ball of the week i'm gonna say um i want to go a bit outside of the box for this one um and i'm gonna give it to ala cotton the um young west ham fan that recently passed away ah, yeah. after, um obviously five years with a uh, neuroblastoma um west ham have been absolutely fantastic with her yeah. you know mark noble in particular has been there pretty much from the start helping the family and things so um yeah first and foremost rest in peace um you know thoughts to all the family and stuff like that but yeah the things that that the family have done the things that west ham have done to uh you know make them girls that girl's dreams come true um while she was with us uh, i've got to give her got to give it to west ham and isla cotton yeah no that's 
Yeah, totally, totally get that. I mean, um, you know, we we had similar with Jermaine Defoe and you know little Bradley Lowry, and you know the the way that you know you, you pointed out Martin Noble and West Ham there, the way that like the treated as just like unbelievable like what they put out on social media was just so heartwarming as well um totally totally in agreement with that um and uh our thoughts and prayers are uh, our thoughts are with the friends and family of of young isla and gotcha. what about your ball ache of the week then um i'm gonna go for the um doctor and physio of the senegal national team who didn't realize that Sadio Mane couldn't see two yards in front of him after being took out by the goalkeeper. Yes, I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to bring this whole, you know, concussion thing into football, but that just goes to show that we're still so far away from, you know, getting to the end goal. Because, I mean, that was just basically, we'll keep him on because he's our best player. I mean, the bloke, you could tell after he scored the goal, he didn't know where he was. Yeah. And that could have been a very, very dangerous situation which already was a very, very dangerous situation, was made a hell of a lot worse. Um, you know, player safety is is the most important thing, not not progressing into the next round of the cup. Yeah, no, I saw that as well. I mean, the keeper got sent off red card. I, I didn't really 100% see what had actually happened in regards to the keeper getting sent off. To me, from what I did see, it looked like it was like a, a cl- like quite a bad collision. I don't yeah, I mean it, it was and it was it was probably a red card, but it, that's like not not kind of the point I'm getting. That point is that Marnie was unconscious on the floor. He's, he's you know they're meant to do a concussion test on players, and I know that they do do a concussion test on players now. How that how on earth have they come to a conclusion that he's passed that test? Yeah. You know, and um, it was it was an absolutely shocking decision to let him play on. Um, We've seen so many like kind of name, not Liam misses, but we've seen so many you no know, like emergencies happen on the pitch. I'll go back to Christian Eriksen how quickly the referee was in in that situation, how, and that kind of saved Christian Eriksen's life. Yeah. A head injury, you know, a really traumatic head injury is what what is what Sadio suffered. I mean, he could have had a fractured skull there very easily, and they let him play on. And I just think it's wrong. I really do. No, I'm definitely in agreement with, with that. I mean, when you look back at the tackle or the collision, should I say, like you, you can see when when he hit the deck, like his body hit the deck, like yeah. an absolute sack of shit. Um, yeah, he, he was out, and again, you're right. He's the best player. They should not have let him carry on just because he is the best player. They've got a duty of care for his health and safety. So yeah, you're right. I totally, totally agree with that. Um, I mean. Going moving on, obviously I hope you you know I hope he's okay. Um, I haven't heard anything about his condition. I think he went to hospital after it though, didn't he? Yeah, his tournament will be over because they'll have to, you know, you have to be at a report call, um, yeah. a concussion protocol now. So I think it's ten days. Yeah. So um, and we're into the like, back end of the quarterfinals now. So he'll, I don't if there's any if there's any you know sense sensibility. In, I don't know if I've made that word up, but if there's any, you know, any kind of common sense in in the African Cup of Nations or the Senegal national side, then he'll not play again in the tournament. Yeah, no, I think it's probably for his, the best health and safety of, of him as well. Um, yeah. I mean, my ball ache of the week was something that uh, happened at the, the Sutherland game at the weekend. Um, so um, the ball went out of play and fell to me 
Um, so then I chucked it back into to Leon Diaco for a throw. Just didn't realise, obviously, the ball was there when I got the game underway. And then went to sit back down on my seat, but obviously the seat flipped up. So then I just literally <laughs> hit the absolute deck. Um, my girlfriend sitting next to us, literally crying in laughter. I mean, I'm pretty sure if we were still in the Premier League, I would have been on match of the day too. Too good, too bad for that. Um, canny embarrassing. Surprised people around us weren't laughing or taking the piss out of his life. But, you know, it is what it is. Just didn't realise the seat popped back up. Just didn't think about it. Um, so, yeah, my bad. Um, what about yourself, Dan? Ball ache of the week? Probably, probably ball ache of the season. Uh, Premier League <laughs> officiating. Um, the Diego Jota penalty. Oh, oh that yeah. was ridiculous. That. What an absolute sack of shit. I mean, how you can give that... You know what? Fair play to Jota. Fair play to Jota. If you were in that situation, you'd, you'd try to claim for it. You'd, you'd throw yourself into it. Um, but for me, football's got to be rinsed to these theatricals. It's getting beyond the joke. Uh, just send them off. Send them off for playing diving. Send them off for... It's, it's practically match-fixing. Um, the thing is, there's people out there now going... You know, the standard of officiating is poor now. There's not much that we can do about it. These referees have been ushered in and they've they've basically been fired to the top. You know, they've been fired straight up to the top to do a job. I don't even think it's so much as that. If anything, I think it's the fact that the old... What, what's that old saying? Don't fix anything unless it's broken. Yeah. Football wasn't broken. And you started chopping and changing, pissing around with the rules. You didn't need to. You didn't need to. Next, it'll be a case of getting towards 85th minute and referee will shout next goal wins. Like, what's going to happen? You know, it, it's just it's getting beyond the joke. But yeah, that, that penalty decision was absolutely ridiculous. And I can't believe that the referee at the time was actually asked to go and look at it on the screen as well. That's embarrassing. Do you remember when, when VAR got brought in? This is what, like, third or fourth season, isn't it? And they said, oh, it'll, it'll lay all these kind of... Um, you know, these uh, controversial decisions that, that, that gets made, you know, make it a whole lot better. And it's made it worse, hasn't it? I mean, there's more controversy in football now VAR's around. I mean, like, it's like you said there, Dan, that's never a penalty. You know, there was a sending off in the um, in the Cup of Nations last week. I'm very sure Aaron, who we had on last week, made the point that's never a red card. It's a player going for the ball, catches the goalkeeper to collision. You know, it, it's not a red card. And... You're just seeing things. It's every single week you're looking at it and thinking, that's wrong. You know, why in a, why on earth that? I mean, the, the worst thing is about this going to the screen thing. You already know that that decision is going to get made because the, the kind of... So this guy in at Stockley Park saying, right, I think that's a red card, go and look for yourself. But everyone's going, it's a red card, it's a red card, it's a red card. So he's, the referee's got absolutely no choice whatsoever there. You know, he's, he's only going to the screen, to, you know, kind of like make the guy at Stockley Park feel better about himself. It's ridiculous. I mean, I think it needs rid of, to be honest. I think it needs rid of. A lot of people probably just go in, uh, you know, see how you see it, but from here, it it looks worse than what it is. And then, if it's one of them where they go, definite red, definite red, it's, to be fair, VAR weren't even brought in for all this goal line stuff. That's what goal line technology were brought in for, to know whether it's crossed the line or whether it hasn't. That's it. You know, VAR was brought in to stop all the, you know, all the incidents, all the, you know, time wasting and things like that. 
making sure that offsides were kept to a minimum. But it's pretty much been used proper to the pettiest standard. Like, you know, what happened to, you know, uh, giving the striker, you know, half a yard yeah. benefit out? You know, <laughs> I'm not saying that because, you know, if we still had Chris Wood, we'd have, we'd have been mid-table now. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that, that, however, you can't keep changing the rules season in, season out. If a ball hits a, if a ball hits a player and you're screaming for a corner, but the referee's gone, no, 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 goal kick. They don't go to VAR for that. No. Even, you know, they'll just be like, nah, get on with it, shut up, crack on. But yeah, if it's a case of, you know, all right, well, let's just have a look back at that goal just to make sure there were no incidents in between it all. That that It's just getting picky. It's getting picky. And you're not even giving the referee's job to do anymore. No. He, I mean, he's basically just doing cross country on a football pitch. I mean, as as well, and I, I don't want to call it, you know, big club bias or anything like that. But imagine if that was at the other end, would that have been a penalty? Absolutely no way. No, there's definitely big club bias. Yeah, uh, and it's it's just it's an absolute farce. But as I say, that that could go on. That could be ball ache of the season, let alone ball ache of the week. It's it's yeah. An absolute farce is VAR, and uh, as much as it had, we thought it had sorted itself out, you know, during the Euros and things like that, and we thought, all right, brilliant, you know, it seems to have all gone to plan. Everything's working out swimmingly now. Maybe we won't have anything changed. But as I said, the rules are changing season in, season out. Handballs, one minute your whole arm, now it's only half of your arm, and but you're offside by your fingernail if you don't bat them, or <laughs> it's it's silly. It's silly. All I'll say is, if you're a footballer, don't be looking at anybody attractive in stands because you could be offside. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with that. I mean, like, we will probably sit sit and talk about VAR all night. Like, I mean, we might have to do a podcast or a Twitter Spaces based on it, like, um, because it, it is just becoming an absolute joke. You're totally right, Dan. I mean, uh, Dan, obviously, do want to you know thank you as well for your time tonight. Do really appreciate it. Um, you can check out Dan's Twitter page at, at Turf Mirror House, but you can also check out all of this stuff as well on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Do really appreciate you coming on the pod today, Dan. No, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a blast. No yeah, worries. no worries at all, man. I'll tell you what is great about these, Gary, these, these fans world that we decided to do. It's getting proper football fans on, you know. These are like, you know, this is the nitty gritty. This is, the, you know, the, the bread and butter of football is the fans. So, you know, all, I'm all for doing these more and more. You know, I think every time I've done this, the guest has been superb. So, yeah, cheers, Dan. It's been it's been a great, again, we've been, we've absolutely flown over. It's an hour and 10 minutes. It's absolutely flown over again. You know, cheers for coming on, mate. And best of luck for Burnley for the rest of the season. Yeah, cheers, Dan. And uh, hopefully this is the season we, we see Sunderland promoted again. Oh, fingers crossed. I mean, it might be looking quite positive now with a couple of new additions. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Dan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like Ant's just said there, it's like it's good to just like I think these conversations can go off in different directions and just have a bit of banter about football, which is really, really good. So like do really appreciate your time uh today. And I also do want to mention as well, Ant, and I'm pretty sure you'll be happy with me mentioning this as well. Um the girls over at the Dealway um podcast had mentioned us in the programme for Rochdale at the weekend. Do obviously just want to send them a massive shout out for that. Do really appreciate them as well. Um, promoting us in the the program and you know 
the regret the podcast's really good as well if you have a listen to it definitely like all of our listeners go check it out um great friends of the show as well yeah i, I just want to echo that as well Gareth. that's all right because that was a very very nice thing to do um totally unexpected um but i think that goes to show how you know charlotte and isabel are they're, they're, they're both absolutely brilliant girls so yeah cheers for that because um that was uh, that was surreal. I'm on getting you getting a podcast name. I remember what we've been going for next end of a year, and that was such a lovely thing to to read. I think so. We're getting a copy of it sent to us, so um, probably put that on our walls. I think. Ah, <laughs> uh, cool. Um, but yeah, um, another great edition uh of the podcast. This one will be out uh, this coming Friday. Um, so thanks again for your time tonight, Dan. Oh, much appreciated and uh, thanks again for having me both here been no a worries and, and as always thanks very much mate yeah cheers thanks very much cheers everyone take care Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.